G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. And I think it shows the, the value of perseverance. I think that's the superpower that every entrepreneur mm. needs is you stick with it until you've worked at it long enough that you get the opportunity for luck to kick in and, and, and give you the just reward for all of that hard work. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bill Weiss, CEO of Boomtime. Bill is a true serial entrepreneur and has been refining his skills since the age of just 14 years old. One of the core beliefs that things that Bill believes in is that he's learned in building and investing in companies that when you launch it to market is one of the most challenging times of any business growth. He got so frustrated at trying to create great marketing for his companies that he decided to tackle the problem head on first. And as a programmer at heart, he became and founded Boomtime tackling the marketing of technology pro- as a technology problem. And it turns out that when you rely on data as a business, you can grow exponentially. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show to share his incredible knowledge with us, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Bill. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Mate, uh, where are you dialing in from today? I, uh, I'm in, I live in the mountains between Albuquerque and Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
Wow. Okay. What's the, the weather like up there uh, at this, this at this recording? <laughs> well, crazily enough, it is it is snowing, which is a little wow. little rare at this time of year. But you know, earlier this week I was out mountain biking and it was absolutely beautiful. And it'll it'll be back this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Well, but the first question I like to ask all my guests when they come on today on the show is, can you rewind the clock and tell me tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, so my, my dad helped me get into the business of mowing lawns, and I mowed 10 to 15 lawns a week, starting when I was, I don't know, 9 or 10, which, uh, which is good money for, for a 10-year-old. And also probably gave you the, the value of earning a dollar, right? That hard work, sweat labor to get out there and mow some lawns and be in the hot summer sun. Yeah, it convinced me that I, uh, uh, manual labor was not my future. <laughs> so walk us through the journey of where you've got to today and how you've created really something from nothing and, and maybe a bit of, you know, touch on some of the, maybe the trials and tribulations that you've gone through in your growth as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I started a, a software company. I mean, I, I got really fortunate that when I was 14 and, and I, I, I got bored in high school. And so I would jump over the the fence and, and landed in the backyard of the strip mall and, and got to work with a, a local family owned business. that was a sporting goods store and really got to see what that kind of entrepreneurship was, you know, very, very early on. And, and I just, and I just fell in love with it. And so I got to start a little business when I was, when I was 14 and, and learned a ton from that. And then I started a, a software company when I was, when I was 18 and you know, the, the thing about doing that when, when you're 18 is you, you know, you think you can do anything. Um, in fact, I, I thought I'd already knew it all. So <laughs> I, was, I was not open to advice or help, which, which means it took me a really long time to figure out how to, uh, to run that company. So I, I now recommend doing exactly the opposite, like actually seek out advice. Find people who've already done what you want to do because it is so much faster to get there. And so what was the biggest lessons you learned as building a, a business from scratch at such a young age? Well, the, I think there is a, a component of that that you have to have as an entrepreneur, that, that willingness to just dive in and do it. It's, it is great if you can do that at an early age when you don't have a mortgage and don't have kids and you can take that kind of risk. But no matter when you choose to do it, you, you, know, you, you have to jump off and, uh, and actually go after it. And to me, the risk of doing that, the, the much larger risk is, is never having the, the experience. You know, one of the things that you do, so I, I do a lot of investing in startups now, and you, you really don't want to invest in first-time entrepreneurs. Uh, it, it's certainly more, it's riskier to invest in first-time entrepreneurs. And, and the only way you're going to get past that is to go build something and get that experience. And, and so to expect to fail. And, and with that, because it's so many people out there want to build something from scratch and something from nothing and they want to attract investors. How do they get over that hurdle without, you know, there's a, you know, you're an investor yourself in startups and you're saying to them, well, I only want to invest in people who have failed in the past or have started something in the past because I know you have experience. So how do you get that experience if no one's willing to back you in the beginning? Well, so the, there's so many businesses that don't that, that are looking for investment that really don't need investors. I mean, that that's the biggest mistake. Probably 95, 98% of startup founders that are looking for money, they're looking for money way before they should, or it's the kind of business where frankly, they, they should never look for money because mm -hmm. all that effort you put into raising money is so much better spent going and finding customers and creating revenue. And, you know, certainly there are businesses where you have to have capital to get going, but that's probably not the business you should start with. You should start with something where you have the ability to, to build the product or the service. You can go out and get customers. You can get revenue. And we're in an age now. So I, you know, I do almost exclusively technology investing and it's really hard to get an investor to come in if you haven't built the product and demonstrated some product market fit and gotten somebody to pay you some money. And so if you can't do that on credit cards, if you can't do it with money that you have saved up, then that's not the right thing for you to do because right. it's very unlikely that it's going to work. You're the, the hurdles you have to overcome before you can get professional investors to come in are, are much higher today. And it's really for good reason. You know, in the dot-com era, it would take 
$10 million to build the same product that you can build for a hundred thousand today. Right. And if you can't figure out how to get there for that first hundred thousand, then, you know, if you don't have family and friends that will support you doing that, then you got to find a different route because you're, you're not ready yet. Well, I also think it's really important what you just said about the having a product that's ready for market and having some proof that it does work, right? I think that is the proof's in the pudding. If you have something that you've created, whether it be a service or a widget, and you've gone out there and said, I've got X amount of sales, but I've got to a point where I've exhausted my own cash or I've exhausted my own credit cards or exhausted my, my friends and family telling me to piss off, you know, uh, don't, don't stop asking me for money. I, I think that is a good piece of advice for someone out there who's looking to start uh, in, in this quote unquote startup world that you have a proof of concept, a market ready product that just needs that infusion of cash to sort of exponentially grow it because you do have a pent up demand of whatever that might be that people might want to buy something from you or buy your service from you. So I think it's really, really um, wise advice. Talk to me a little bit about Boomtown and how that came about because in the, in the intro, I, I briefly touched on that you do buy and sell businesses, right? And so over time, you've seen that the hardest thing coming to is the coming to market, the sort of the launch and the marketing data. Tell me about the frustrations that you went through of that because it sounds like you've got a few skins on your knees um, and bruises to, to understand why it is such a frustrating part of the, when launching a business. Yeah, I've just found marketing to be this enormously frustrating part of, of every company. And it, marketing resists all attempts at scale and efficiency. And it's not something that we're willing to accept like in any other part of our business. And yet it seems to be a fact of life in marketing. I mean, you, you have people that, that, that go into marketing because they they don't want you to understand what they do. Like it's a mm. great place to hide. Uh, it's full of salespeople who can't sell. Well, marketing needs transparency. And now we're in an age where it's much more realistic to do that because we can get data on, you know, every single engagement that we're creating. We have like the opposite problem. We have too much data. How do we, how do we turn that into information that we can really use? So, so I started Boomtime because of this, you know, it's kind of an obvious correlation, but the companies where we were really good at go to market is where we had the biggest success. You know, you put, put all this hard work into creating a great product or service, but in the end, how good you are at, at marketing determines what, what kind of payoff you're going to get. So it, it's just an area that, that, that desperately needs scale and efficiency. And, and because I'm really a programmer at heart, I just, I just saw it from the standpoint of the data. Let's follow the data. Let's see what really works. Constantly iterate on it. Essentially take a lean startup approach in the, the same way that we would in having an MVP and constantly talking to customers and constantly making our product better. Let's just apply that to our marketing and let's constantly make our marketing better. And, and it's amazing where you can get if you just follow the data. And so what type of data are you looking at when you, from a marketing point of view in order to help you get that successful launching pad to jump off? So we, you know, we specialize in, in sort of higher end B2B. So, so bigger ticket things, whether, whether it's a product or service. And one of the things that's really nice about that area is that, you know, you can be great in B2B with just three channels, website, email, and LinkedIn. And if you tie those three together and you understand what the customer journey is across those and you see, what, what's really engaging with people, then you can really understand what's working. And because all we're really doing is building a, a sales funnel. And the key today is that you've got to look at that sales process as a long series of micro commitments. You know, we don't, it's not that somebody just hears about you. Even when you get a really great word of mouth referral, people don't just pick up the phone and call you anymore. The first thing they're going to do is pull up your website and see does that match what I just heard from my friend at lunch? And the very first thing you want to do is capture their email address so that you can now tell them your story over time and follow up with them so that even if the right time is six months from now, you're staying in front of them that whole time. And yet so many businesses don't, don't have this sort of basic marketing foundation in place. Um, but if we do that, we get those three channels and we follow the data uh, across them and really understand what's working then you can, you can build a marketing machine that's, that's really efficient. And, and in the end, the, the goals are actually really simple. Let's, let's be great at capturing every lead and referral that comes to us. Let's make sure that we're following up with every single one of those with the built-in level marketing automation. And, and then let's stay in front of that audience that we've built forever after from this point forward. And, and if you just do those things, then, then that, that captures all the low-hanging fruit and, and you sell a lot more. Right. 
In terms of the the marketing that we like, this podcast is a marketing tool, right? It's, it's something that I'm, I'm leading with education first. I know I get frustrated as hell when I see constant people emailing me, particularly around this coronavirus. And we're recording this, and we'll talk about the coronavirus in a little bit around March nineteenth. This will be launched later in in the year, but. I hate it when I, you know, it's funny how many people have my, my data around the coronavirus, right? And I've got to click unsubscribe, unsubscribe. And they're not actually providing any value by telling me stuff that of a product they might have or how to make it better through a recession, blah, blah, blah. And I've noticed, at least in my business, that having the education piece first through a, something like a podcast or, or a stream of information that you can get out to people ultimately helps you sell whatever product you might be selling. And in my case, happens to be investors in real estate deals. So how do you tie that together and it just doesn't just turn into this rubbish email campaign that people just get so sick of hearing and they have to click on unsubscribe. Well, the problem is that for most companies, 90% of what they're marketing is, should be 10%. Like 90% of it is about them, you know, their company, their product, their whatever. Nobody cares. (laughs) You you have to flip that on its head. 90% of your marketing should be about the unique insights and expertise you have because of what you do and sharing that. It, so 90% of the marketing is, is what you do in your podcast. That, that should be every company's marketing. It's, it is sharing the unique insights you have. So let, let's say that you have a, a niche company that works with, you know, a, a, a very certain kind of business and you have several hundred clients. Well, by definition, you now have unique perspective across those businesses that, the CEO of any one of them just can't have because they're in there running their one company. You get to see across their peers, several hundred of them. Mm. Well, if you just take advantage of that and you make your marketing about the insights that you see because of that unique perspective, then you become very valuable to them and you turn it from a, you know, sales process into a consultative sales process that is vastly more effective. The, the end result we want is that is every prospect you talk to is better off because they sat down with you, because they get your emails, because they listen to you, because their business is better off knowing that that unique perspective that you bring to them. Mm. And, and so what sort of-, of your marketing is about the, you know, what your product or service is, what's happening at your company. And so, so at Boomtime, are you cultivating that sort of, um, channels you, you spoke about email you spoke about linkedin but are you cultivating the story and the message in order to get that out to people in a, in a consumable way whether it be an instagram post of a short 30 second video or a linkedin post of a, an article that's, that the founder might have written because part of the people when i interview this the people on these shows one of the thing that people get hard trying to find time to get out of their own business the day-to-day business to go and do that type of stuff to sit down and be the thought leader in terms of their perspective on whatever it might be, document it and then be able to repurpose that on all these different platforms. And that's the part of piece that people find that they're like, well, I just don't have time or I just don't, it's too busy. I'm too this, this and that. What do you say to those types of folks that, that, that are putting those barriers up knowing that they probably are sitting on a mountain of value or a mountain of content that they could share and ultimately scale their business? They're, they're absolutely right. And, and it's so rare that somebody's able to do that internally. Like, you do it because you've just made it part of how you do things, right? right? And you probably love creating content. And so it's a natural thing for you, right? And that just, you know, that just comes through and listening to your podcast. You enjoy doing this. Well, you know, most business uh, owners, most CEOs, they don't enjoy doing that, <laughs> right? They don't want to be on a podcast. They don't want to be making videos, but yet they're full of really amazing insight and perspective. Mm. And so the only way that I've seen to have it work consistently when that's just not part of who you are and what you love is you need to have an outside resource that, that is taking your ideas and, and, and you can't fall for the copywriter problem. Like there's lots of people who are really good at writing, but you know, you don't want to hire a copywriter who was working at a car dealership last week. And this week is supposed to figure out your niche SAS, you know, in depth, thing, right? It's just, it's not going to work. Right. You need somebody who already knows your audience inside now comes from, comes from your audience, knows how to talk to them and therefore can take your ideas and flesh them out. So, you know, we'll, we'll sit down with the CEO of a business and literally in, in 30 to 45 minutes, we'll get enough great ideas for six months worth of editorial. Right. 
And then and we that, build that, a network of subject matter experts who know the audience that, that who's that business needs to reach and knows how to write to them, knows right. how to talk to them and takes those ideas. And that's how we get a steady flow of really great content. And, and then we automate, how do you distribute that across all the channels, follow the analytics, see what's working so that every new article you put out gets, you know, gets better than the, than the last one. How do, you, uh, how do you bring through the authenticity? Because today, in today's world with the whole personal brand and people want to see the founder or the CEO behind the company's image and logo, how do you bring that authenticity when you are outsourcing it to a copywriter who may not, is not the, essentially the person with all, who is sitting on that mountain of value or has all that stuff in their brain that they need, you need to extract as the sort of service provider to that business in order to get that content out and in, in order to get it to the copywriter, in order to get it and create these different channels of uh, marketing and, 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 and incoming and you know, enticing incoming leads because authenticity is so important in what we do from a day-to-day business. Like half the reason, I'm sure there's a lot, of, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure you do, that when someone trusts and likes and cares about what you do and the message you put out, they're more likely to buy from you, right? And, and, and I've noticed that in my business. So how do you keep that authenticity fluid, I guess, as you take over that steering ship of, of the marketing funnel as you go down, down the path. You, you are getting at exactly the, the hardest part of, of doing this really well. And, and so if you're going to do this yourself, you, you really have to put in the effort to find a writer who, who not only knows your audience, but is able to capture who you are. Mm. What we've had to do to be able to do it with, with more scale across you know, hundreds of businesses is, is we do two levels. We have, we have the writer who has the, the, the knowledge and the expertise of that market and that audience. But then we use a smaller group of editors who are really good at getting the voice consistent across that flow of content so that it matches this CEO's voice. And sometimes we need to use different experts because we're working on you know, different pieces or different audiences, but yet the voice still has to be consistent across right. that. Right. And it, it is absolutely the, the hardest part of, of doing this well. But yet once you nail it and once you as the, as the business owner are comfortable with it and you go from uh, staring at a blank screen where you never get anything done to getting an article written for you and you have to give more feedback because it wasn't quite right and the next one gets a little better. But then by the fourth or fifth one, you're like, yeah, I got it. That, mm-hmm. That's good. I can just give it my stamp of approval. Well, then, then you have a marketing machine where the content's just, just flowing, but it's, it is difficult to get there. There's, there's no doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's why this problem was so much harder than, than I thought it would be to solve Mm -hmm. because each one of these issues has been very difficult. This has been one of the hardest ones. You know, uh, another issue that's really hard is this, this kind of content marketing is really dependent on having a central database of the audience that you want to talk to. And most companies are not very good at using their CRM and, and assuming they have one, uh, then getting people to use it. So one of the things that we did to solve that problem is we mine everybody's email box because in the B2B world, everybody you're talking to, you're going to end up talking to them via email. So there is actually a database of all those people. We just, we have to monitor it and create that central list so that as we're creating content, we're getting it out in front of all the right people and, and staying top of mind. And I think that's so important with the staying top of mind and getting into habits that people, back to what I was saying before, CEOs are concentrating on making being a CEO for that company in order to make product. But it's finding the time to invest, to take a pause, to look at the systems that you're currently doing from a marketing point of view, to get your message out there as a person because people want to just, they want to hear more from the CEO. Um, my next question for you is, how do you, do you then become a bit more of a PR firm once you extract that sort of juice in order to keep them relevant, you know, getting CEOs interviewed on podcasts or, you know, news articles or front covers, you know, is that something that you also do at Boomtown that, that helps them become a more of a holistic company from a true marketing and advertising point of view? So we, we don't really uh, tackle the, the true PR side of that. So we, but the, the piece that we are doing is, is, is what, what we call everyday viral. So, we, we see Boomtime's role as we want to take every, every piece of content you put out, do, you know, do all the right uh, tactical elements around that, 
so that we get as much leverage from it as possible. Because, you know, for most companies that, that are niche like this, actually the most valuable audience for them to talk to, we know exactly who they are and we can get to that entire audience via LinkedIn. So if we run a connection campaign and we're getting to exactly the right prospects, then, then actually we, we're talking to the entire audience of who we want. And it's great to get third-party authority. And, and uh, I, I mean, I fully recommend doing what you and I are doing right now and, and, and being on podcasts. So one of the great thing about podcasts is because they really let you get to, to exactly the right audience because they tend to be very niche, which is awesome. Uh, and so I'm all for that, but the, the, the challenge with the PR side is we haven't figured out how to put scale into that. Right. And that's really the problem we're trying to solve. How, how do we get these core elements of marketing that so many companies don't do consistently and they don't do them consistently because it's, it's tough. It's just tough in the trenches work and it's tough to get scale around it. Mm. Well, it's also, but it's such an interesting Economy, no, sorry, um, speed bump for you. I think as a as, an, you know, as a bit of feedback is to use. You could evolve because it's such a. It could be a higher value product in which you offer to your to your clients because once they see the proof in the pudding that you're doing all this content creation over a period of six six to twelve months, it's nearly like the the wheels spinning and you peppering or sprinkling in a little bit of PR, you know, some cool articles and GQ or, you know, to the, you know, New York times or being on pot, you know, being on the, the daily show, whatever it might be, that just keeps that, that wheel spinning and more. Cause that people then go back to the website, see the blogs, get in, get into the emails and then it just keeps, keeps that going and, and, and grows um, the, the platform. But in saying that, I think you'd also need to have a client who's willing to do that, right? Because it comes to that point of that they need to see the proofs in the pudding. Okay, this is working. What do you recommend I do next to sort of keep it going from a longevity point of view? Well, they could just continue, you know, giving you content for you to create. But then there's that little bit of the touch and feel that people want to see from from a CEO that, that oh, hey, I've been interviewed by so-and-so on this podcast or on this show. And it gives you that bit of proof. It, it just, it's something, it's an interesting idea that you could go and grow um, but but I, I hear what you're saying when it comes to the scale part of like what how do you would you go scale it and make you make money as a business because it's um, it is very individualistic to the person of what they want to achieve out of going out and being in the public you know public relations in the public spotlight so, so yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're being very insightful and PR is evolving very quickly and I mean it has changed so dramatically in the last few years, but that's really, really see that speeding up right now. And so mm-hmm. you're getting to a new model in PR where a lot of media companies are creating new products and services that, that are around this area of expert media, which, which is effectively a, a form of paid editorial, mm-hmm. but it's still within editorial guidelines so that, that you really, if you're taking this approach that we're talking about to marketing, then you're a natural fit for that because you're already creating really valuable content and then simply extending the value of that content into other media sources that really get to, to your target audience. uh, It's a natural fit. And we're going to, we're going to see, we're living through that evolution, you know, right, right this second. Do you guys do anything with existing content creators? Like I know for myself, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll put my, my hand up that I'm really good at doing the content creating, but getting it out creation, I should say, but getting it out into the different platforms, like I've obviously put it on iTunes and SoundCloud and all the, the podcasting, but having the snippets of um, YouTube channels or more of the LinkedIn audiograms or creating better uh, written content from a blog point of view, do you guys help the existing content creators as well in your business? We have to date, we've really focused in this B2B area because we're able to take one set of tactics. And the thing I love about doing this is, is even though we're doing it for several hundred businesses at this point and, and now, uh, and now growing really fast, you know, we're constantly testing. And every time we learn something new in, in one business, we get to apply it to all of them. Mm. And so that's the, I've always liked this sort of niche approach of really being targeted in what you do. And, and, you know, and our target is kind of, is pretty big in, in high value B2B, but by, by focusing in that area, and the reason we narrowed it down to that is because we found that the, the same marketing strategy and, and tactics work really well across that, that whole span. Mm-hmm. And, and it allows us to, to see new things. I mean, like the, the simple approach of, of how you make a post on LinkedIn, like 
just the tactic of how you do that, you can get four to six times more engagement just by doing it the right way. Right. And, and the only way you're ever going to find that is by constantly testing and, and following the data. But then every time you find one of those, you know, we get to apply it to everybody, which is just, you know, a ton, a ton of fun. And then we turn around and, and share it with everyone. So uh, I do exactly what I recommend that our clients do. You know, we, our marketing is we lay out exactly what we've learned and say, here, go do this because I want every small business possible to improve their marketing because I'm so passionate about small business. Like that, that's where employment comes from. It's where innovation comes from. And yet this gap in sophistication between what your large competitors are doing with their marketing and what your typical small business is doing, just, you know, it just keeps getting larger and larger. And we've got to, we got to bring that back together. I, I completely agree. And I think that is such a, uh, one, you're educating these businesses that don't necessarily know that they're sitting on this mountain of value that they could create a bunch of leads from by just extracting. And I think it's a really powerful service that you're creating. But also, you know, now I'm going to pivot into recession-proof because, you know, obviously we're sitting here in March where um, coronavirus is, is, is hot and heavy right now. But, but a lot of the people that I've interviewed on this show talk a lot about, about personal brands and, and about getting out behind the, the banner and talking a bit more from a vulnerability point of view because, in order to help recession-proof their business because people like the story of the founder or the story of um, the person behind the, the CEO. And, and I think, you know, from, from my point of view in terms of investments, people invest in me first and foremost, right? They, the, the deal is kind of secondary, right? It's seems like similar to a product. It's like, I like your product. It sort of helps me in whatever it needs to help me for, but I like you more and I want to invest in you more, right? So I want to buy from you over and over again. Think of Steve Jobs where had the Apple, you know, you came out with the, the Apple iPhone, the, um, the iPod, and it's all these products in this ecosystem that people want to continue buying from because they liked the story around Steve Jobs, right? So I think that it's such an incredible thing that we live in today with, the, with that type of business ecosystem. So talk to me about how this coronavirus is going to affect your business and maybe some of the businesses you work with, particularly in that B2B space. So, you know, it's, what it's going to bring out is, is one of the biggest mistakes that companies make in a recession, which is, to, which is to pull back from their marketing because it is so much easier to make an impression during a recession. And recessions create the, the strongest, highest growth companies. Part of that's because the weak companies get put out of business. But part of it's because the more aggressive entrepreneurs choose to take advantage. And when other people are pulling back, they get aggressive and, and they take market share. And, and I love what you just talked about, which you know, I, I, always, I always call it putting a face on the business. Mm. And it's, it's a huge advantage that small businesses have. And so often, I, I think it's a crucial mistake for a lot of small businesses where they, they wanna look big. They wanna pretend they're this huge corporation. And yet their advantage is that they can put a face on the business, that the CEO is there, that they're doing this because it's something that they're passionate about. So use that story. It's why somebody's gonna pick you over the huge company because they actually know who's standing behind the product or service. And, and you know what the second most visited website on every small business B2B website is? This, the, the page that gets the most visits after the homepage. Is the about us. Absolutely. <laughs> because nobody buys from you without understanding who you are. Right. And yet, if you just go pick some random small business that you're working with, they're gonna make it hard to find the about us page but it should be right there on your homepage. It should be a big button. Let me tell you about us. And when you get to the about us page, what happens over and over again is you scroll to the bottom of that page. First of all, it's a really boring bio that doesn't really show the passion of why you're doing what you do, but it's the reason that people are going to buy from you. And then you get to the bottom of the page and there's nothing there. Like you're leaving it up to your prospective client to figure out where to go next. Mm. You want to control that customer journey. Put a big button on there that takes them to the next page that continues to tell the story of, of your business. This, this, is what you, this is the advantage you have as a small business is, is, you, get, is you get to do these things. So I, I think the challenge we have in a, in a recession is we all have this natural inclination to pull back. And yet the most successful business owners and entrepreneurs are the ones that instead See, I mean, this is the classic thing. So, the, you know, this particular crisis started in, in China. Ironically, uh, in Chinese, crisis and opportunity are the same word. <laughs> yeah. and, and we need to focus on the opportunity side of that double meaning. That's, that's the wonderful thing about being an entrepreneur. You're, 
your job as a leader, as an entrepreneur, is to find those opportunities to get created in crisis. There's always great opportunity when this, when this kind of thing happens. So what's the advice to people? We're, 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 we're going to come into a recession. I think it's, it's un, you know, undoubtedly so that people have been causing to stop work and you know, infrastructure shutting down, stadiums aren't being filled, concerts being cancelled. It's going to have an impact. So how do people stay relevant in that space of marketing? And what advice do you have for them to double down so you are not, so you're not pulling back and you are taking advantage of, of this slowdown? Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think the one of the things we can do is learn from Chinese companies that have already been through this. And, you know, and hopefully by the time this podcast is released, we're starting to see exactly that. So, you know, not only are the, is, is the decline steep, but the recovery is steep also. Mm. And there tends to be too much focus on the decline and not enough on how this is gonna pop back up right afterwards. We are, you know, we're gonna have a recession after this, but um, event-based recessions are almost always shorter in time period, even, even if they're deep as this, one, as this one might be. And so one of the biggest mistakes you can do is stay in that, that mindset of, of lack, yeah. right? You, you, you've, got to, you've got to plan for the recovery because it's already on its way. You know, as we're talking today, we're at the front end in the United States of this, but you can see what the pattern is just by looking at what has happened in, in other countries. So now is the time to be preparing for the recovery and taking, and taking advantage of that. What, speci- so, what specific steps would you recommend, you know, what, taking advantage of, are you, are you doubling down on your, are you taking pause to look at what your clients are offering? Are you going back out and surveying your current customers to see what they want in order to help you with that recovery? What, what sort of steps would you, would you recommend? Well, you know, I think the simplest thing is that the, the rules of really good business haven't changed because of this. Like your focus on your customers and employees is what made you successful for where you're getting. I think there's a habit to lose some of that focus when we have this kind of issue, you know, it, it's a struggle for me to, to not be paying attention to the news and constantly sucked into, into this issue. But yet what's going to make us successful on the other side of this. And as we climb back out of this and as, you know, on average, a year after the kind of mark, market turmoil we're experiencing right now, the market is back to what it, to what it was prior to the hit. Well, in the grander scheme of things, a year is just not that long in, right in building a business, in your overall trajectory of your career, of what you're creating. And so we tend to focus way too much on right this second. And so the thing to do is, is get focused back on your customers, their needs, your employees who, who make it possible to, to focus on your customers and, and do exactly what you're talking about, which is by talking to your customers, you're going to see where the new opportunities come out of. So there's a, a cosmetics company in, uh, in China that, you know, they had to close 40 some stores. So they took all of the beauty consultants that were in the store and they turned them into online influencers and their sales have doubled this year compared to last year in the middle Mm. of this crisis, which is, which is crazy. Mm. So the other thing that's going to happen is all the trends that we're seeing right now, they're going to be accelerated because of this crisis. Meaning we're sending well, we're sending people at home to work and we're going to get back to the point where it's a very competitive marketplace for hiring employees. And once you've been exposed to being able to work at home, you're going to have a significant portion of, of the workforce, the de- really desirable portion of the workforce that's going to want that option. Mm. So one of the best ways you're going to be able to appeal to them is all this work you've done to be able to send everybody home, leverage that, keep, keep that in place as, you, as we get to the other side of this. The push to online, I mean, that was already happening. Amazon is hiring 100,000 people right now this, you know, as we're speaking in in mid-March, that's because we're all buying even more online than we were before. Well, that's not gonna just completely snap back after the fact, it's going to accelerate the move to online. So um, people are now expecting what, whatever it is you do, they expect an instant result delivered to them. So how do you take your product or service and change it in such a way that you can match that expectation that's being created in, you know, in this time of crisis? 
I think that's it's incredibly powerful what you just said there because I think it is a shift to being better and and it, we're already in the in the age of being Googled, right? You spoke earlier about what you do with it on the homepage, you go director about us. We would have got through that through either word of mouth or through Google search. So we've already been in this world of online. To down, we're now doubling down on it essentially is what you're saying. And so how do you go and create better systems around marketing? That's why it's really important to have blogs, to have articles on your website about who you are and why you do what you do in order to keep that growth going. And I think it's super important. I don't even know for myself in terms of having, um, uh, I just spoke today to my, uh, my property managers about attracting new leads through virtual tours of, of apartments rather than actually doing in-person um, in person, you know, touching, you know, because you could you could uh, contract the coronavirus. Well, okay, well, let's go do a video of the uh, a virtual tour of uh, of the apartment, and then leave a uh, a code on the door to so they can get in to look at the apartment, stuff like that. And I think that might even have a better impact on me as an owner because maybe over time, if we do transition to more of a virtual assisting leasing type of aspect, maybe my payroll can reduce, and I don't need three people in the in the in the leasing office. I only need two. Right? I'll have someone who's, who can be more of a virtual assistant driving that traffic through the virtual um, tours. So it's really quite interesting how all of this is going to have a great impact if you look at it in the right lens, right? Like obviously a lot of people are using that reptilian brain to fear, fear, fear. But if you use it in the right way, like you're saying, doubling down on employees and customers and seeing what they need and what they want um, to offer better services, I think is, and also combining with Boomtown, Boomtime, um, in and around your story and getting better marketing out there and don't pull back from the marketing right now is really going to be really, really powerful in terms of any recovery that, that a business may, may entail or any future growth that you're setting yourself up for in the next 12 months. So I think super, super important. Do you want to add anything to that before we wrap up the show? Oh, I, I just love the example you gave because people are going to now be accustomed to being able to do those kind of virtual tours. That's not going to go away just because they're not scared of catching something when they go because so much easier to go look at 10 apartments in half an hour than one in an hour and a half. Right. So it, it just makes your business better to do that. And now you can handle more properties with the same amount of staff. I mean, it's, it's great for everybody. And it also makes it make it for us and putting the product out there. Our product happens to be um, units, right? Making sure the consistency of every turn, every renovated unit is the same, right? You've got the bells and whistles of, you know, keyless door hardware entry or a Nest thermostat or, you know, an Alexa that you walk in where, where the, the, the internet is on automatically. All this type of stuff is really important as a, as a real estate owner, um, but it's applying technology in ways that, we maybe didn't think about 10 or 15 years ago, particularly in the, the property management space. It's, it's still very much a slow, archaic thing getting to the technology table, but, um, but, but, but really, really exciting. So what, you know, coming in your business, what have you got planned for 2020? Now that the coronavirus is, is amongst us, what are you doing to make sure that you are be, being recession-proof as best as possible? Well, I think this really accelerates our approach to marketing also. So if you think about where, you know, where do most of your sales opportunities come in B2B? Well, so much of it is, is still from in-person. It's, it's just like uh, real estate investing. It's those direct connections. You know, what's interesting about you is, is you're pushing that model uh, forward, right, in a, in a market that is still very traditional in its approach. That's really true for, for all of B2B. And, and yet, I mean, events are going to come back. Trade conferences are, or trade shows are going to come back. But attendance was already declining. This is going to speed that process up. So if that's what you've been dependent on for the sources of your sales opportunities, well, now's the time to start planning on, well, how are we going to move that online? How are we going to make our connections via LinkedIn instead of at cocktail parties? Right. Which, which by the way, is so much more efficient because I get to meet only the people I want to at LinkedIn <laughs> and, and I don't have to eat horrible food at the same time. I mean, it's, it's a win all the way around. Uh, so now's the time to be thinking forward for that. So I, I expect this time period to be, challenging, but I also know that on the other side of it, the opportunity that it creates for what we do is so much larger. And so we're, you know, we're just focused on taking care of our, of our clients and our employees and the process so that, so that we're in the best place possible to take advantage of the huge upside that's going to come as, as we come out of, you know, come out the other side. I love it. No, I think it's, it's super important how the mindset going into this recession is going to play out for any business and, and maybe turning off the news a little bit more <laughs> and focusing on your customers and your employees maybe help you for the long term. Um, mate, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Absolutely. 
Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I meditate. You do? What type of meditation? Is it anything special? No, I, I think any kind of meditation is enormously valuable, but just getting this habit of, it, it's the most, it's the most important thing I've done in the, in the last five years to really, to really help with my career because I, I think more clearly. And, and when there's time periods when I didn't have time to meditate, it, it just, you know, it affects my performance. I can tell. Mm. Mm. No, I, I'm, I'm only not as I've been doing it for five years, but I've been doing it for about eighteen months, and I've got a morning ritual. And if I don't do it, my day's off all day. I feel agitated or whatever. So it's even, even with all the the work that might be consuming. So it's really, really important. Uh, question number two is: Who's the most influential person in your career? Well, you know, I've I've always uh, followed Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Um, they demonstrate some really interesting things. I mean, they're, they're both brilliant. I've never want to have to work with either one because everybody I've ever met who's worked with them is like the most challenging thing ever. That's probably part of, part of their success. Uh, it also demonstrates how ridiculously lucky they were to be born exactly when they were and get access to computer technology when they, you know, were in high school that nobody else had. And so all these things had to fall in place, but, but they were also really brilliant. And I think it shows the, the value of perseverance. I think that's the superpower that every entrepreneur mm. needs is you stick with it until you, you've worked at it long enough that you get the opportunity for luck to kick in and, and, and give you the just reward for all of that hard work. Uh, I think that's really, really powerful. Probably will be the soundbite of today's episode is the, is doubling down on the power of perseverance, I think is so important. And regardless of we talk about all these different marketing funnels and all that sort of stuff, the biggest thing when it comes to what you do at, at, at boom, boom Time is you have to be per- persistent, right? Because it won't, you will see better effects over time. So I think it, it ties really well in today's, today's conversation. Um, in your business, you will, this is question number three, what is the most influential tool? Now, when I say tool, it could be a software related or it could be hardware related. Like I've had people on the show tell me that their phone's the most influential tool, but other people have talked about some sort of weird app. So what's the most influential tool that you use on a daily basis? Oh, it's got to be the analytics. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's challenging for a small business because, you know, if you're a large company, you can put in the Adobe marketing suite and get this like, you know, amazing view of your data. It's, it's tougher as a small business because we still need this integrated view, but, but that to me is the most valuable thing is being in the, the flow of that data and just seeing what's working day in and day out. And I've, you know, I've always loved the lean startup approach and just taking that same view of your marketing of constantly iterating. Uh, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know how you do marketing well in this day and age without, without doing that. Right. I think it's uh, super important for someone like yourself in a business that offers that type of service to, uh, to other people who want to get more out in the world and have a better marketing campaign. Um, question number four is what is the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? Oh, I had so many uh, great failures. Um, the, you know, when I, when I built that first software company, which, you know, it took me a long time, it took 15 years to build the company, but then I sold it and got a, you know, got a nice exit out of that. And because of that, I was convinced that I actually knew how to do it. And, and it turns out it's really difficult to build a company every single time. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not like there's some people that just have a miracle ability to do it. It is, it is really, it's really hard work. And I, you know, I had to learn that. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Right. So just more to do with luck doesn't, or lightning doesn't necessarily strike twice because the, the, the odds are that it probably won't, right? And, and you might do something different and probably a little bit of ego getting involved a little bit, right? That you think you can go and smash it the second time. Right? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Mate, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in and around your sphere. Where do they go? So you can find me on LinkedIn and, and I'm demonstrating exactly what I'm recommending that you do. I, I love talking about uh, marketing. You can reach out to me at CEO at boomtime.com. And of course that is our, our website also. And I'm, I'm not nearly as far as long as you, but, but I've, I've created a podcast that's the B2B word of mouth marketing podcast and uh, doing it for the same exact reasons, just you know, laying out the things we've learned and, and sharing it with everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's conversation. I think it's super important to have 
to understand as a CEO or as a leader of a company that you need, you are standing on a mountain of value, but you might not necessarily have the time or the energy to go out and extract it and take it out of the brain and into paper and into marketing form in order to create leads. So I think the service at boom time is really important to those types of people who may be a little bit more introverted and are focused more on the growth of the business, which they should be, but there needs to be some element of outward marketing that people can help with. And that's what you're here to do, right? You're here to show people that it can be done and it can be done quite easily with the right type of information. I also think the, the messages in and around having a face to a business is super important. Um, but the biggest one I took away from today was the power of perseverance. I think that at the end there, you're talking about out of all of what we're talking about here, if you're not in it for the long term, you're not in it for the long haul. Uh, and it does take time to create this sort of culture um, or, or, you know, some sort of vulnerabilities and, and um, credibility uh, in and around who you are. Um, with with your listeners, with your audience, I think that is the most important thing uh, in and around what I took away from today's conversation. Um, did I leave anything out? Oh, that was an awesome summary. There are no miracles in marketing. It is a long-term slog. <laughs> no there is no miracles in marketing, I can tell you that. Well, mate, look, thank you so much for jumping on today's show. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Bill. Please definitely go check him out on LinkedIn or if you want to check out his uh, what he does over at Boomtime, just Google Boomtime. It's literally B-O-O-M-T-I-M-E and you'll find everything that he does with his marketing funnel. Uh, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack. 